Good morning, everyone. I invite you to open your Bibles, if you would, to the Gospel of John, the 14th chapter. 14th chapter of John. I'd like to welcome everyone this morning. It's a privilege to gather together in the name of Jesus, and it's in his name that I greet each one present this morning. As you're turning there, I might just uh, ask you a question that only you can answer, and really it's, it's impossible, I guess, to even think along these lines, but just use your imagination with me and just go back to maybe Christmas time or the first of the year when everything was just buzzing and booming in your life and people all around and a lot of hugging and kissing and um, buying. The stores were all open and, and saturated with people and money flying everywhere. And what if someone was to walk up to you and say that the world was just going to stop in a month or so? And even in January, you were hearing rumbles about some kind of a virus thing across the waters and things were, I mean, fear was setting in and... Um, but. But at Christmas time, if somebody was to tell you of some of the things that was going to transpire over the next few months, you probably wouldn't have believed them, not here in America anyways, and especially in Dark County or Miami County or Montgomery County or Preble. Carry that further into the depths of your heart. What if... What if someone was to say you as a child of God would start to have fears if something like that was to set in? I mean, let's say something like a pandemic or, or something. So then fast forward to middle of May or the end of May. Write yourself a report card. Grade yourself on things like contentment, peace, perspective. Security. You've, you've come, I don't know if we're completely on the back side of this thing yet, but just just rate yourself as you've come through it, what kind of comments you were making to others. What were you feeling in your heart? Grade yourself on stress, anxiety. Read the fourth, 14th chapter of John together. These are mostly the words of Jesus directly, and I like to think of this chapter as direct promises from Jesus himself, um, first-person promises, as Jesus speaks a lot from 
from I, I am, and so forth. We'll, we'll catch these words as we go through it. Let not your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known the Father also, and from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth within you, and shall be in you. And I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye seeth me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will, mani will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself to unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we will, we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. He that loveth me, he that loveth me not,
keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. Verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things into your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go and come again unto you. If ye loved me, you would rejoice, because I said I go unto my Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass that when it is come to pass, ye might believe. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and the Father gave me commandment, even so I arise. Let us go hence. I don't know if you captured all of the personal promises or all of the first person promises um, every time I read this chapter more stands out to me a very rich chapter verse 2 says I tell you verse 2 also says I go verse 3 says I come verse 6 10 and 11 says I am Verse 13 and 14 says, I do. Verse 16 says, I pray for you. Verse 18 says, I will not leave you. Verse 18 also says, I will come to you. Verse 19 says, possibly one of the most important, I live. Verse 20, I am in the Father ye in me, and I in you. Verse 21 says, I will love. And verse 27 says, I give peace. And there's more that could be said. I hope we realize that our security is in uh, none other, no one else, than in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not a prophet, but what if I was to tell you now in May that in August something terrible is going to happen? The world's going to stop. Your life's going to be turned upside down. Your stores will be closed. Your restaurants will be shut down. Your gatherings will be limited. What if I was to know this, and I don't, and tell you you're going to struggle in August. There's only one promise that I can give you, only one promise that will get you through a tough time such as that. And that is the promise that Jesus leaves us, the I wills, directly from his mouth. 
Let's come before him in prayer. Brother Ryan Miller, would you lead us in prayer, please? So thankful this morning to be here with you. That we could be here together. We could be here at Cornerstone and worship together as a group. That we might open up the word of God. Because that's what we're here for. To worship Jesus Christ. So thankful that our brother this morning opened up in John chapter 14. Reminding us things about the Holy Spirit. Jesus wanted to make it very clear that when he left. That he was sending the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And he's told us some very specific things about the Holy Spirit. In, chapter, in verse 26 of that chapter he just read, it tells us there that this Holy Ghost, this Holy Spirit is going to teach us all things and bring all things to our remembrance whatsoever I have told you. That's an that's a amazing promise. That the things that Jesus Christ told us, he said when this Spirit comes, He's going to teach you all things, and he's going to remind you and bring it back to your remembrance, the things that I have taught you. And so we're so glad that we have the Bible, that we can still look at it and study it and preach about it and read it. Because the things that are in there, the Holy Spirit has promised us he's going to teach us by it, and he's going to bring it back to our remembrance. Well, that's the reason we have a message here today, a message that's been rolling in my heart for several weeks. Because there's a burden here that I want to encapsulate. I'm going to bring into focus a few things so that it is deeply settled in your heart. And that when you need it, the Holy Spirit is going to bring it back to your remembrance. <clears throat> now, I wanted to test this because, Zach, if you could come for help for just a second, we'll make sure this is working properly. I'm getting a bad message up here. <clears throat> Our title today is Motby, M-O-T-B, which stands for Marks of the Beast. Now, this is the title, this is the subject that you've been hearing some things about. Thank you. There we are. <clears throat> and we'll get to this in just a little bit in Revelation chapter 13. But let's, I want to lay some foundation, I want to lay some groundwork before we get into Revelation. Now, some of you know that we had the opportunity, the blessing to teach the book of Revelation back in January. This is so unique to me that in January, we got a week to focus on the book of Revelation with about 60 young people. One of the things I did not do that week was to focus in on and put together the collection of the references to the marks of the beast. And so that's what we want to do here today so that we can deeply settle this in your heart, what these scriptures are. Now, keep in mind, I am not the Holy Ghost. I am not the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to try to relate current events into all these details. I just want to make sure that, it, that the Scripture is in your heart, and the Holy Spirit is going to make all those things make sense to you at the appropriate time. There's one other promise about the Holy Spirit in John 16 Verse 13, he says, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. That, that promise is repeated there. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. What a promise that is. The Holy Spirit 
is promised to teach you all things, to bring all things to your remembrance, whatever Jesus has told us, and to teach us and to show us things to come. That's an important groundwork, that we understand those promises are true and they're sure we can count on them. Now, to further lay the context of this, I invite you to think about, the, uh, well, if you want to turn back to Daniel chapter 9. <clears throat> We're just going to reference a few things here. In Daniel chapter 9, it mentions there a phrase. It says, 70 weeks are determined upon Israel, upon my people Israel. It's referring to 70 weeks of years. Referring to 490 years. And there's a lot of detail about that. We're not going to go into all of that because you can get lost in that real quick. But it tells us there that there's one week of years left that hasn't been fulfilled. All the rest of it, 69 weeks of years, have already been fulfilled in prophecy and fulfillment of prophecy. But there's one more week, a seven-year period, that's yet in the future. And it says in 927, and he, the he here referring to the Antichrist, the Antichrist is the wicked one. He's the son of perdition. He's the first beast. There's a lot of different names for this one. But it says in verse 27 of Daniel 9, and he, who I call the Antichrist, will confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week, in the middle of that seven-year period, in the middle, after three and a half years, smack dab in the middle of that seven-year period, something happens. He shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. Now, this is also mentioned in Daniel chapter 11 and Daniel chapter 12, Matthew chapter 24. It simply calls this the abomination of desolation. This is one of the key activities of the Antichrist, where he becomes revealed, he becomes apparent to all the world. Now, I invite you now to turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're still laying some groundwork so you have some understanding about this one, the beast, the Antichrist. It says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, in the context of the coming again of Jesus Christ. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering unto him. We sometimes call that the rapture, but this is how the Bible refers to it, our gathering unto him. That ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, the day of Christ, the day of Jesus Christ, coming again into the world and to take us up, to gather us up to him. That day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. And the moment when he is revealed is in the middle of that seven-year period when he commits the abomination of desolation in the temple in Israel and stops the sacrifice and sets himself up to be worshipped. 
That day of Jesus coming again will not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And that's exactly what he does. He, he commits an action that desolates the temple. It stops all the temple worship. And he sets himself up as the one to be worshipped. Because he says, I am God. I am worthy to be worshipped. You need to turn your attention to me. Verse 5, remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now there may be some scriptures here that are ringing questions in your mind. Write them down. We'll be glad to talk about it later sometime. Verse 8. And then shall that wicked be revealed. Another name for the Antichrist. That wicked. The son of perdition. The man of sin. And then shall that wicked be revealed. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. And shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. There's some very severe kinds of words and, and promises and descriptions going on here, but the picture is very clear that this man of sin will become revealed, will become obvious, and he will set himself up to be worshipped, and there will be a tremendous amount of deception and delusion and lying going on, which will cause the damnation of people who believe those lies. This is why one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is the discerning of spirits. The Holy Spirit has promised us to teach us all things and to bring all things back to our remembrance and to teach us of things to come. And he's also given us the ability to, to discern spirits. Count on it. So that you are not deluded. That you will recognize the difference between truth and error. Okay. Laying the groundwork. Now, if you will, turn to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13 is the first of six references in the book of Revelation to the marks of the beast. Now, you may have thought in your mind, wait, I thought there was only like one reference, maybe two. There are six references to the marks of the beast. So MOTB stands for the marks of the beast. I say marks in the plural. You, you've read in the Bible it talks about the mark of the beast. Okay, these are the marks. There's four things that describe the beast and his work and his action and, and everything of how he operates. There are four marks of the beast. Here's the four items. We're going to read it here in a little bit in chapter 13. You have the image of the beast. You have the mark of the beast. 
the name of the beast, and the number of a man's name. <clears throat> the image of the beast. As we go into this chapter 13, you're going to see the emergence of two beasts. It's a little hard to understand when we talk about beasts. Here's one of the things about the book of Revelation. There are descriptions being given of who someone is in the spirit world. And, and sometimes they are described in the spiritual sense. But they're in reality, or in the physical reality, they're going to appear as something quite different in the world, in the earth. And so you have the emergence of the first beast, and a few verses later you have the emergence of the second beast. The first beast, is we find out later, he's called the Antichrist, the son of perdition. The second beast, we call, he's known as the false prophet. We read about this in other places in the book of Revelation. And so you have these two people, these two individuals, who are going to be men, who are going to show up on the earth but they are empowered by Satan. The Bible calls it the dragon, the red dragon. <clears throat> and all these things are in this chapter 13. And then at the end of this, it tells us the specific four items that you see listed here. And we'll come to that <clears throat> in just a moment. This chapter is, is very central, I think, to understanding about this beast, this antichrist, this son of perdition. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his head the name of blasphemy. And right away your mind goes, whoa, what kind of an image is that? <clears throat> this is the spirit world beast description of a man. But he has a description in the spirit world. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and his great authority. That's central. That are going to become a man that will show up on the earth. He won't look like a beast. He won't have seven heads and ten horns that you'll be able to see. He may be in a business suit. He may be very charming, very absolutely adorable. But his power and his seat and his authority comes directly from Satan. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. That's amazing. That's incredible. That's astounding. Here's this man. He is wounded. He is, he is killed. And he rises from the dead. Is that going to make the nightly news? says, all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast. So they were worshiping Satan for, because he gave the power. And they worshiped this man who appeared to have died and he rose again. And this is what they say about him. Who is like unto the beast? Or who is able to make war with him? Oh, it's incredible. It's absolutely astounding. There's nobody like this man. He rose from the dead. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue 40 and 2 months, which is half of the seven-year period. 
three and a half years equals 42 months. It may be that his 42 months are not necessarily just in the first half or just in the second half. 42 months can span through that. I don't want to get too far off into that. <clears throat> and he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle. And see, all the people of the world are worshiping, are praising this man and looking at this and thinking, this is amazing. He rose from the dead. And yet, this is his activity. He's shouting blasphemy against God. He's blaspheming the name of God. He's blaspheming the tabernacle of God. He's blaspheming those that dwell in heaven. And yet, all of the world is looking at him and saying, he's the most amazing thing. There's no one else like him. Who could ever make war against him? He has all power. And verse 7, it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Perhaps that's the reason that in the beginning of the book of Revelation, there are seven letters to churches. Every one of those letters concludes with a promise to the overcomer. There are different promises, an amazing set of promises to overcomers. It's clearly stated here that this one who has such power makes war with the saints and to, and to overcome them. And power was given unto him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. That's a worldwide leader who has taken everyone's attention. It says, in all the world, and all the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. We're going to see very quickly that this is a life and death situation. Either your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, or you have taken the mark of the beast, or his name, or his number, or worshipped his image, those four things, it's life or death. You're one or the other. But everyone whose not, name is not written in the book of life is going to be worshiping this man. And if any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. In the ESV it says clearly here, here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. To recognize that there may be people who are living on the earth at this time who find themselves embattled and being sought after and killed and overcome by this Antichrist. And the comment is made here, be patient in that and don't lose faith. And I beheld another beast, and this is the second beast that is in this chapter. We also know him as the false prophet. The false prophet becomes the public relations manager. He's the right-hand man. He's the promoter. And you'll see why I say that in just a moment. I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. The first beast came out of the sea. The second beast comes up out of the earth. And he had two horns like unto a lamb, and he spake as a dragon, and he exercises all the power of the first beast before him, which causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And so this man takes up the role of promoting and causing people to worship that first man because he died and rose again. 
and he becomes the central character for promoting the Antichrist. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth. By the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And so he commands men to go out and create an image of this first man, the beast, the Antichrist. He has a name. He's a person. He's a man. He looks fabulous, I'm sure. And so his right-hand man said, why don't you make an image of him? An image might be a statue. It might be a hologram. It might be an image simply on the internet. I don't know. I'm sorry, I, 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 I thought I wasn't going to get into those kinds of things, but we don't know what kind of an image this is, but he causes men to create an image, and then he does some unique things with that image. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So the right-hand man, the promoter, says, you go make an image, and then he has the power to give it life and to make it speak. And if you're not willing to worship that image, you will be killed. At this point, these two individuals have a lot of power in the world. Now, that's the first item here, the image of the beast. This, the rest of this tells you the rest of it here. Verse 16, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bonded, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, say that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Those are, the, those are the three images now, the three, <clears throat> the three marks, okay? The image is the mark because it's a requirement to worship that image that speaks and is alive. And he also requires that if you want to buy or sell anything, you will have a mark in your right hand or in your forehead, or you'll have the name of the beast, or you'll have the number of his name. There's four ways that you can be submitted to the Antichrist. <clears throat> In verse 18 also, here is wisdom, let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. See, this is, this is the number attached to a man. The beast is a spiritual description, but he will be a visible, physical, charismatic world leader. And right beside him, is his right-hand man. Telling everyone, look at him. He wasn't he astounding. He died and rose again. You should all worship him. And we're going to create an economy now that no one can participate in that economy unless you do these four things. It's the number of a man, and his number is 603 score and six, 666. That's the first of six references to this. So let's move on. 
Revelation chapter 14, the next chapter, there is a description of wrath that is going to be poured out upon the people who have the marks of the beast. Next chapter. Chapter 14, verse 9. Let me explain a little bit of what happened in in chapter 14. Chapter 14 is that place where 144,000 Jews are sealed with the name of God in their forehead. I'm sorry, this is the second time that this is talked about. The first time is in chapter 7. This is the second time the 144,000 appear. And then there's three angels that speak. The third angel says this in verse 9. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture, which means the wrath of God is undiluted. There is nothing is diluting the wrath of God that's going to be poured out upon the people who have taken these marks of the beast. Poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torments ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Bible's very clear. There's nothing but the severe wrath, endless wrath of God. We poured out to those who have been deceived by Satan through these two individuals to take these marks or to submit to these elements. The next item here is next chapter, chapter 15. First four verses, let's look at it. Chapter 15, now we see not wrath, but victory. How is that? It's victory over the beast and over his marks. We're talking about a different set of people now. Chapter 15, the third reference to this. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, Seven angels having the seven last plagues. This is just before the last seven vile or bold judgments are thrown out upon the earth. And there's seven angels are handed these things. And just before they throw these last judgments out, we have a scene in heaven. Seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. This is going to be it. This is all of it. God is going to throw all of his wrath, his final wrath upon the earth. And in verse 2, we see something else in heaven. See, this is how it is in the book of Revelation. Sometimes you have descriptions that are occurring upon the earth, and you have descriptions that are in heaven, or images of what people are seeing on the earth or what God is seeing on the earth. And it switches. You've got to keep your, in the context a little bit. So here, we suddenly switch. John says... Verse 2, and I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire. So you have this imagery of this sparkling water. And it's like there's pieces of beautiful, shiny crystal glass moving and, and 
fluctuating in the water and it's gently moving there and it's glistening and, and there's you have God as the source of all light and it's just powerfully beautiful of all the light and the, and the shininess of all that's there. And I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire and then that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name standing on the sea of glass having the harps of God. They had victory over those marks of the beast. How? Why? Because they never submitted to it. They never were deceived by it. They didn't take those things. And anyone who has already died, I believe, is also included here. Anyone who has never received those marks of the beast is going to be standing there in that glassy sea. Because they have all, we have all had victory over this beast and all of his, his image and his marks. <clears throat> and they sing a song, verses 3 and 4, the lyrics of their song. It says it's a song of Moses, but it's also the, he was a servant of God. It's also the song of the Lamb. Here are the lyrics of that song. Saying, great and marvelous are thy works. Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee? Now that's significant because in a, a couple chapters earlier, the phrase was being said about the Antichrist. <clears throat> who, who could be like him? Here's the real, the real one. There was no one like God. <clears throat> who shall not fear thee, O Lord God? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes, who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou art, thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee. For thy judgments are made manifest. And his judgments, his last judgments are about to be poured out upon the world. They became manifest. But here we see an astounding reference to these marks of the beast, but it's in victory. Because the saints will have victory over those marks. <clears throat> now, the next one is the judgments that are poured upon the marks of the beast. Revelation chapter 16, the next chapter. In 16, verse 2, it simply says this. Well, we'll start at verse 1. 16, 1. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways, pour out the vials or the bulls of the wrath of, the, of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth. And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. And there are six more judgments to come in this chapter. And they are poured out upon those who had been deceived and had taken the marks of the beast and worshipped that beast. And all the, the worst of God's judgment is being poured out upon them. Let's go to the next one. <clears throat> chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19, we see it clearly states that all this was done by deception. It was deception through the marks of the beast. 1919. <clears throat> and 
And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. So we see a clear, a clear judgment upon them directly, but it was through deception. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. This is why we need to be discerning of spirits, to be able to recognize truth, to be able to recognize deception. And these marks are very specific. And the Lord God wants us to be able to recognize these things when they come, that we not be deceived. Chapter 20, the last one. Chapter 20. <clears throat> well, we'll start in verse 1 here. I'm after verse 4, but let's, let's just read up to it. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. They're all the same name, same person, same Satan. And this angel laid hold on him and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. <clears throat> what a promise to the overcomer. It kind of leaves us hanging because it clearly says that Satan's going to be released a thousand years later. But during that thousand years, those who had not been deceived, who had not taken any form of worship or mark of the beast, were going to live and reign with Christ upon the earth. And what comes next, you'll just have to keep reading and go on from there. <clears throat> So our purpose today was to remind you, to let you understand in as succinct a form as possible these six references. How many items of theology do we have that are based on like one reference of something? These are, there are six references to a clear set of descriptive marks of the beast. Don't be deceived. The Holy Spirit has promised to help you discern it. Because it's life and death. And there's tremendous judgment upon those who have taken it. And there is life eternal in the presence of the Lamb. For those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. <clears throat> Let's have a song.